What exactly are we celebrating this coming Thursday? This coming Thursday is, of course, July the 4th, Independence Day, a day when we commemorate the adoption of the Declaration of Independence and thank God for our political freedom as a nation. But that still doesn't completely answer the question about what we are really celebrating on this particular holiday of the year. And I say that because many contemporary Americans have some very strange ideas as to what freedom really is. So yes, everybody will say that we're celebrating our national freedom on Independence Day, that we're celebrating the gift of freedom on this particular day. But that word freedom definitely means different things to different people these days. For example, many Americans today believe that freedom means doing whatever you want to do without any restrictions, without any constraints. That is a false view of freedom, and its falsity is very easily illustrated. Just think this morning for a moment of what the Internet has done to the lives of so many people. It's ruined their lives. Now don't get me wrong, please. The Internet can be a great blessing. The Internet provides quick and easy access to a lot of information. I personally use it all the time. It's a very important aspect of my priestly ministry these days. But the Internet can also be a snare, and is a snare, for many men and women, especially when it comes to pornography. I read the other day that 40%, 40% of all Americans are regularly visiting pornography sites on the Internet. They are regular visitors to porn sites. Not occasional visitors, regular visitors. That is a shocking statistic. That's a depressing statistic. And the reality is many of these people are regular visitors because they're addicted. There's part of them on the inside that knows it's wrong and wants to stop. But there's another part of them on the inside that wants more and more and more. And unfortunately, it's that part of them that usually wins the battle. But you see, if you are somebody who believes that freedom means doing whatever you want to do without any restrictions, without any constraints, if you're one of those people who believes that falsehood, then you have to come to the conclusion that these addicts are free. In fact, they are the freest of the free. After all, they're doing exactly what they want to do without any outside interference. They have no restrictions, no constraints whatsoever. Of course, the truth of the matter is these men and women are enslaved, deeply enslaved. And that's what St. Paul was getting at when he said in today's second reading, You were called for freedom, brothers and sisters, but do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. 
And so from one perspective, at least, you could say that the opposite of freedom is addiction. Most people would probably say that the opposite of freedom is slavery, and that's true. But think about it. Every addiction, be it to pornography or drugs or alcohol or something else, enslaves us, puts us in bondage. But that's not the only erroneous belief about freedom that's present in our country today. For some of our citizens, and this includes, unfortunately, a good number in political office, freedom means violating your conscience. That's the essence of freedom to some in our nation right now. The most obvious example of this is the HHS mandate, part of Obamacare, which tries to force employers and organizations like the Catholic Church to pay for medical services and procedures that those employers and those organizations consider to be immoral. This is why our bishops, once again this year, have called for another fortnight of freedom, a fortnight for freedom, 14 days of prayer, 14 days of action to promote religious liberty, to secure religious liberty. We're in the middle of that right now, and how appropriate it is, given what happened this past week in the Supreme Court. Another example of religious freedom being taken away. It's, we've got to get serious about this. It's another nail in the coffin this week. Don't be surprised someday if this kind of gathering is forbidden. It's happened in other countries. Let's not think we are immune. We need to get serious about this, especially with our prayer. Religious freedom, by definition, means not being forced to violate your conscience. We need to pray that more of our civil leaders will come to understand that. That's what our founding fathers believed. And then we have those in our country who believe that freedom means keeping your religion out of your civil discourse. In other words, these people say to people like you and me, hey, you Christians, keep your mouths shut about your religious beliefs. And especially about your moral beliefs that are rooted and grounded in your religious beliefs. You better shut up about that. That is, of course, unless the issue is deemed politically correct by us. For example, to these people, it's fine for us to use religious arguments when we're speaking out in public against something like racism or against violence toward illegal immigrants. Oh yeah, then use all the religious arguments you want. But don't you dare use a religious argument to speak out against abortion or euthanasia or embryonic stem cell research or an issue like that. Of course, the reality is we don't need to use religious arguments to attack those evils. Scientific reasons will do just fine, thank you very much. But we're supposed to live in a free country, right? And in a free country, people should be allowed to use whatever reasons they want to justify their positions. Religious, whatever. If they choose to use those arguments to advance their points, they should be free to do that. 
and speaking of those evils like abortion. The last erroneous notion of freedom I'll mention today is this one. Freedom is the right to do what is wrong. I remember hearing Alan Keyes use that expression in a speech he gave a couple of years back, and it really stuck with me. In that speech he said, you do not, you do not have the right to do what is wrong. And he was right. Of course, my brothers and sisters, you need a moral standard like the Ten Commandments if you're going to be able to distinguish right from wrong. And we have lost that standard in America, in our modern age. And therein lies the real problem. Let me tell you, when it's illegal in a nation to display the lines, do not kill, and do not steal in front of a county courthouse, when it's illegal to post those things in front of a courthouse in a given nation, you know that nation is in trouble. Heap big trouble. We need to get back to the notion of freedom that St. Paul had, and which, praise God, many of our founding fathers also embraced. St. Paul said in that text from Galatians 5, For freedom Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Paul is talking in that text to men and women who had recently been baptized and come to faith in Christ. People who once upon a time were big slaves to sin. No, they didn't have the internet back then. But it's not the only issue that we can become slaves concerning. We can become slaves to anger, slaves to greed, slaves to sloth, slaves to any of the seven deadly sins. St. Peter put it beautifully and perfectly in one of his letters when he said, a person is enslaved by whatever overcomes him. Whatever overcomes him. So the freedom St. Paul is talking about here is not the freedom to do whatever you want to do. When these Galatians were doing what they wanted to do, they were slaves. They were sin addicts. Rather, the freedom Paul is talking about here is the freedom to do what we ought to do. It's the freedom to do what's right. It's the freedom to get on and to stay on the road to heaven. It's the freedom to live in the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the many temptations we face in this world. No, the temptations are not going to go away for any of us until we take our last breath and go before the Lord. But we have to understand as Christians we have power available to us through Jesus Christ that comes to us in a particularly powerful way through the sacraments and especially the Holy Eucharist. We have the power available to us to overcome temptation. But we have to tap into it. Of course, it is possible for us to live in a state of true freedom for a long time and then fall back into slavery. Which is why St. Paul adds those words I quoted a few moments ago. He said, you were called for freedom, brothers and sisters, 
But do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. I say then, live by the Spirit, and you will certainly not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what are we celebrating this coming Thursday? I'll close my homily this morning by answering that question for myself. Yes, it's true. I'm celebrating the political independence of our nation, which began when the Declaration of Independence was adopted and later signed by our Founding Fathers. But at a much deeper level, I am celebrating true freedom, the kind of freedom St. Paul talks about here, the kind of freedom that our nation used to stand for at least to some extent. I pray this morning that we will someday, in the very near future, stand for it again.